Welcome to Health Tech Hustle. We exist to share stories of the brave entrepreneurs helping to solve the most important problems in digital health today. We interview top leaders in health tech and bring them onto our show each week to listen and learn from their story. With your host, Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Health Tech Hustle podcast. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, Mr. Ryan Sadlow. He has a very extensive background in health tech. And so just to give you a brief background of who he is, he is a commercialization advisor for Podometrics, founder and CEO of Accelerate Health, the vice president of NQ Medical, the vice president of business development at Luco, and the head of commercialization at Lazarus. So with that being said, Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Rodney. It's a pleasure to be here. No problem. So yeah, let's jump right into it. Uh, Why don't you just give the people and the listeners a background of who you are and how you actually got into health tech? Sure. So I have been in healthcare. My background is not originally in healthcare. So I'm I'm kind of a, a newcomer, I would say for about the last four and a half years. My background, interestingly enough, is in uh, naval architecture. So I used to design ships for the first part of my career and uh, got an MBA down at uh, Rice University in Houston. And with that, kind of moved back up to the Northeast. I'm originally from New York. My family moved to uh, to Boston and kind of got into the, the startup scene. Commercializing novel technologies is really where this all started. And then uh, about four and a half years ago, I joined a team named Podometrics to lead their commercialization, basically from, uh, from FDA clearance into you know, trying to, to, to help as many veterans as possible, in this case, uh, prevent diabetic foot ulcers. Awesome. Nice. So I see that you're located in Massachusetts and there's a lot of startups and there's a lot of technology in that area. So can you kind of talk about what it's like working in this industry and being in this sort of geographical area and how that's had an impact on your career? Absolutely. You know, it's uh, Boston specifically, I think Massachusetts as a whole, but, uh, but the Boston Cambridge area has done so much in terms of life sciences. And I, and I think in order to kind of have a, a cluster, which I which I think they they truly have a, a you know a life science kind of cluster, obviously you need to have uh, great universities where where ideas and teams are kind of being born. You need to have an open kind of business environment that can take those ideas and and provide a, a safe kind of environment for them. And you need capital, right? So you know Boston has has kind of great venture capital specifically within the life sciences. And so many companies, especially in the pharma biotech side, have large labs or or presences at least in Kendall Square and in in the seaport here in Boston. So I live in in Brookline, which is just, just maybe a quarter mile from, from say Fenway Park. And uh, I walk into Kendall, which is, you know, two and a half miles or something like that. And, and, and you're just, as you're walking, you're just passing, you know, all, all of these kind of incredible buildings of, of all of these, these, these companies and, and uh, universities. So it's, it's a great, it's a great place to be in terms of healthcare. Awesome. So in terms of healthcare and in terms of the startup ecosystem, and I see you, you're not, from the healthcare background, but you have an extensive business background and developing different strategies and bringing technologies to market. And so when working with startups, what are they looking for when they are reaching out to you and what sort of value do you provide to them? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Specifically within, say, the startup environment and specifically within, within healthcare, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of specialized within, obviously, health tech and uh, this kind of niche of early detection, remote patient monitoring, and, uh, you know, kind of the integration of AI and, and machine learning to unlock some of these things. You know, a lot of, a lot of teams start as, as, obviously, technical co-founders. You know, these are ideas that come out of labs and research projects. And, you know, the technology is, or at least the the science behind it is usually incredibly sound. And I think the first kind of activities are product development. How do we, you know, productize, you know, this kind of technology? And then the next step from there is, how do you actually bring it to market? And, you know, specifically within startups, you know, you can get seed funding, you know, based on on technology and, and the development of that. And then I think when you start to get to a Series A, you know, I think it's really important to have a, a very clear commercial pathway, a pathway to market. And I think if if you're if you're getting ahead of that and identifying some of those risks and some of those opportunities, I think it makes getting that next round of, of funding a lot easier. And it also legitimately will, you know, that will help you obviously get funding, but also, you know, execute your plans and really make sure that you're, that you're ahead of the curve, I would say. Okay. So there's kind of a mix of business, technology, and healthcare. And so when you're dealing with these startups, do you notice that most people are starting in tech and trying to go into healthcare or they're starting in healthcare, they see a problem and they're trying to develop the technology to solve that problem or which one do you see? You know, I've seen it both ways. I've seen it, you know, more from say the, 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 the technologist perspective of, you know, say an AI play or something like this and, uh, you know, seeing where you can apply it within healthcare or, you know, sometimes it starts with the medical, the medical mind, if you will. Sometimes it's the, you know, the, the MD CEO and looking to kind of build out the technology piece of it. But both are so important, you know, I mean, early on clinical risk and technology risk are, I think, the, the, the two main things that health tech startups are trying to de-risk actively early on, say, seed round and, and even into the A. But it's this commercial piece, I think, that that is this, it's just out there. And, and you know, obviously investors, you know, I, I think they're much much more willing to fund something that's that's even not, not completely finished from a technology perspective or even clinically validated if by completing it, you're addressing some major market need that's acute and that, you know, through, say, the activity of customer discovery, your learning would be transformational if addressed. Okay. And so when these startups are reaching out to you for your advice, your expertise, do you recommend that they already have a strategy in place, whether it's product development or how they're going to bring their product to the market? Or is that something that you help them with? in the process? Yeah. So, you know, it's certainly not a requirement. Inevitably, I think, you know, it's just so ingrained in, in things like competitions and whatnot that you put together a business plan, you know, and you make some assumptions. And I think, I think for, you know, a, a lot of early teams, you know, a top-down approach for things like total addressable market, you're coming up with big numbers and, you know, you're using very general statistics and you're making some key assumptions. I think that's okay early on, but I, I think, you know, part of the value I think is, is starting to really get granular and start to build something from the bottom up. And the other piece of it is really talking to 
customers. It's talking to people, getting out of the building a little bit as a Steve Blank, kind of the, 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 the innovation uh, kind of you know, guru says famously, you know, I mean, you have, to, you have to really identify those pain points, those burning issues, and you really have to understand them. And you really have to get, you have to, you have to really understand, you know, what level of performance is necessary in order to make something transformational. And then from a technology perspective and a, and a, and a product development perspective, what does that take? And can, can you get there? And how hard is it to get there? And, or do we already have something that already does it? And so, you know, those are, those are the kinds of questions I think that, you know, naturally come at that next stage. Okay, interesting. And so I kind of want to ask you about the challenges that you're currently seeing in the market right now, in the industry right now, especially with all the COVID-19 stuff going on. What sort of challenges are you seeing these companies enduring right now? You know, it's obviously what a crisis this is that we're living through. Obviously, it's like nothing that no one has ever seen. And I think even for people that have, you know, been around for the financial crisis in their careers or even 9-11, you know, these, these have been kind of these moments in, in the last 20 years that have defined our country. And, and I certainly think that this COVID crisis may be even more significant than, than those two things. So, you know, it's a definitely a, a, a trying time. It's interesting, though, because healthcare before COVID is a very challenging environment to, to operate in. If you're looking to start a business, uh, you know, and you're thinking about, you know, where, where should I start? You pick healthcare. You know, you're self-loathing a little bit, I think, from a, from a regulatory perspective, from a compliance perspective, right? Things like HIPAA, FDA, it's depending on even what you're developing. I mean, you're, you're affecting people's lives, right? And, 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 and if, you know, if, even if something goes wrong, I mean, the consequences are, are grave. And then you think about all of the, the kind of odd incentives we have in our healthcare system. And, and this is one of the things I find so interesting in terms of, say, you know, what's now value-based care, which, which to, I think every other, every other industry in the economy is just normal business. You, you create value and you try to, you know, split the value, you know, with your customer in some equitable way. But in healthcare, there's all of these kinds of odd incentives in terms of hospital systems and providers and payers. And now it's, it's complicated with things like, you know, ACOs and, and, and now, you know, different kinds of quality CMS programs. So it's very complicated. And it's also been an industry that's, 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 it's not the first one to adopt new technology for good reasons. But you put this crisis on top of it. And, you know, I'm talking to a lot of, a lot of different companies and, and, and CEOs of companies. And, and, you know, it's fascinating to hear how people are really thinking about, is this a catalyzing event that can change healthcare for the good after this. You know, certainly in the field of, of telehealth, I think you're seeing that already. Uh, you know, you're seeing, oh, you're seeing, you know, CMS starting to, and the government and, and, and different, you know, states starting to, to increase reimbursement and different kinds of, of laws and, and, you know, all, all of these things. You're seeing adoption really being driven in telehealth. And I think this will be one of the lasting kind of trends within, with, you know, results of, of this COVID crisis let's try to deliver care at home. You know, I mean, let's, let's keep sick patients at home to the degree that we can. Now, of course, you know, yeah, you know, there's reasons to go to the hospital, but can we deliver care at home? And, you know, that's been a trend that's been before COVID, but I really think that, you know, trying to find the, the, the bright side of some of this, I really think that that's going to be a lasting effect. And I think it's going to be good for the, for the country. 
Yeah, you could already start seeing the impact that telehealth, like you mentioned, is having on healthcare because you see a lot of articles coming out about Google Duo getting more downloads, uh, Zoom, like we're using now. So many more people are downloading it, and they people are finally starting to see the advantages of just really implementing a technology strategy into your existing healthcare processes. And really, it just improves efficiency, really, in communication amongst teams. You could talk to doctors from other sides of the country, other sides of the world. And so I think that'll be, like you said, that'll be a lasting effect that it has. Um, And it's interesting that healthcare is really one of the last to adopt technology because there are there's so much technology within healthcare and as an MR tech I see that a lot but you mentioned something when you're talking about problems is that there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of regulations that these companies have to overcome if they want to get their product out to the market and so one thing I want to talk about is from somebody who's in a startup and say they have the technical experience but not not necessarily the healthcare or the business experience how do they go about finding the right people and putting together the right team to be able to get their product in front of the right people. Yeah. Share their message. That's a great, that's a great question. I think one of the big lessons that you learn being in a startup uh, or in the, in that environment is team is so important, right? I mean, especially the, the earlier on you are, the more important team is. And even in terms of investment, I mean, early on, mostly they're investing into team. And so, you know, you have to think about risk and where you have your blind spots. And uh, it takes a, obviously a certain level of humility to, to have to say, what am I good at? And what am I not good at? You know, and, and, you know, my, my co-founder, you know, what is he good at? And what is he not great at? And, and what about her? You know, is she, was she great at this and not great at that? And, and, and I think you really have to go through the organization and say, you know, okay, well, we're weak on clinical right? You know, you're, you're, you're a business guy and she's a, she's a, you know, a a machine learning, you know, data, data scientist, and we've got those things covered, but uh, we don't have a, we don't have a doctor, you know, or we don't, we don't, we don't have somebody with the clinical chops. And so you need to, you need to go out and you need to get that capability. And, And if it's something core like that, clinical technology business, I think those three things you need to have in house. Those are, those are either co-founder or, or, you know, early stage, you know, in-house capabilities that you absolutely need. Some specific domains, you might be able to find really good consultants or, or, or really good advisors to help out with things like regulatory early on. That's typically something that, you know, if you, if you have an advisor that's gone through it before 20 times, they know how to do it. They know how to, how to shepherd you through the process of getting FDA approval, but you don't necessarily need to create that as a core team member. And so I just think it's a, you just have to, from even like a human resource perspective, really be clear eyed about, you know, where your capabilities are and, and, and where they're lacking. Okay. And so for a startup who they're slowly putting together this team and they have the strategy and they're trying to get their product out there and get it to the market, how would you go about actually testing your product and seeing if there's actually a market fit and finding your core target audience? Yeah, it's so important. And, you know, I I think you have to take a very scientific approach to it. You have to take a very rigorous approach to it. You You have to think about some hypotheses. You have to really make sure that they're that you're testing the right things, and then you need to go out and you need to you need to validate or invalidate those hypotheses. 
and uh, and you really to the to the best that you possibly can, you have to divorce yourself from confirmation bias biases and things like that, priors that you may have, and really just run it like an experiment. You know, where where is the pain? What are you solving? And do you have, what do you need to get there? Are there showstoppers, you know? Is it possible to get there? And it's an iterative process too. You know, you may learn some things and, you know, have, have a view of the world and you have to make sure that you're retesting those views almost all the time. Okay, and so is there like a recommended time frame that you would spend if you just developed a new technology how long should you spend in alpha stage versus beta and before you actually launch and make it available to the public is there a designated time frame you know i think it's that's tough because you know some technologies are so much different than other technologies and it's easier to iterate on development cycles more than others but i would make it i would think of it more as milestone based so if you're thinking about early adopters or you know let's say you've 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 done some customer discovery and you understand where the pain points are you maybe it's hospital systems let's say and, and maybe it's you know let's let's say hospital systems and 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 uh, and then you're you're going out and and you know, you want to find some, you want to find a beachhead market. I think that's really important. You want to find an area where your technology is extremely efficacious. It's creating a ton of value, maybe even, you know, operationally it's lower. So, you know, to give you a concrete example, a lot of early detection or prevention plays, you know, especially if they're prescription, you know, you're requiring a doctor to write a prescription, but, but maybe you're reducing costs that health plans care about. Integrated delivery networks, it's a great place to start because, you know, you've, you've got a, a health plan with providers, say like Kaiser Permanente or even the VA. You're, you're then, if you can operate in that kind of environment, it doesn't mean that you can operate in other environments, but, but if you can operate in that environment and show value, you know, that's really, really important early on. And, and then if you have a plan to, to translate that success to maybe more complicated care environments that are much larger, let's say, I mean, you could be focusing only on 5% of the market. But if you really are, are doing well in that 5%, then you can figure out a way to translate that to the broader market. I think that's much better than trying to, to be everything to everyone and go after, you know, the biggest segment if it's not necessarily the easiest segment. And those are generalizations, but that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of a, a intuition. Nice. So just being very specific on who you're trying to target and what you want to accomplish instead of trying to be cast a wide net and pretty much put too much on your plate, I guess. Yeah. I mean, outside of healthcare, you look at like Amazon, right? I mean, they started just in books. Yeah. I mean, that they just books, books, books. That's just what they did. And they waited on the rest of it for, for a long time. And, uh, you know, and, and early on when they were, you know, of course, you know, people that, that saw that brilliance early on, I'm sure are doing very well now, but, but, uh, but, you know, they started in a, in a, in a, in an industry that was really dying. I mean, you know, to some degree publishing and, and, uh, and built a really, really successful company on it. Awesome. And so a little bit about your background is that you have your hand dipped in so many different companies and so many different ventures. Can you speak on how you're able to manage your time and still be effective and still be able to contribute value into each company that you're working with? Yes. I mean, you know, it's, uh, the health tech hustle, right. Is the, so I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's, um, look, I try not to, 
I have I have enough kind of work uh, <laughs> uh, with what I have on my plate, and uh, and I think that's really important. I think you want to make sure that that you know you you set objectives really clearly. Whether you're whether you're a, a business to business or you're just even an employee, you know, I, I I think those lessons are really important of 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 making sure that you set realistic milestones, and you have to work. You have to work your ass off. I mean, I, I don't want to say a bad word on here, but but uh, you know, you just you have to you have to. Um, I, I'm working all the time, um, and and I love it. I love my work, and and you know, I, I you know the companies that I'm working with now, you know, I, I I'm I'm so kind of fortunate to be working with them and on such kind of exciting issues and and, and problems, and um, and you know, you just have to you have to feel like you're you're contributing as, as, as much as you can and that you're always there. And, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of in my, it's just in my blood to kind of always be, be doing that. Just keep working hard, right? As long as you understand the vision of where you want to go, then that'll just keep motivating you and keep pushing you to just keep working hard and like just staying ambitious, right? That's exactly right. And so we're kind of coming up to the, you definitely, provided a lot of value, gave a lot of valuable insight into what startups and people who are in the health tech industry should be focusing on, whether it's their product development or thinking of a strategy to bring their product to the market and discovering their customers and just how to identify and overcome different risks in the market. But I want to end on a little more lighter note, something I call the rapid fire round. I'll just ask you a couple questions and you just let me know first answer that comes to mind. All right. I'm a little nervous, uh, but okay. <laughs> it sounds good. No worries. Let's do it. Question one. What is your favorite book of all time? Favorite book of all time. So I'm a book collector. So I love books. I, would, I, ha- I have a lot. I would probably say Washington by Ron Chernow, biography of George Washington. Unbelievable story of obviously our first president, but just a, a profile in, in leadership and obviously really well-written. Same author as the Hamilton book, of course. So, yes. Gotcha. Who is the most influential person in your life or career? You know, I would probably say my wife. She's, uh, she's an inspiration to me. So uh, she was an elementary school teacher and middle school teacher for, for several years and then kind of changed her career after we had our, our, our daughter, Quinn, and uh, built a business. Uh, of of personal training, uh, strength and conditioning, awesome. and uh, I, you know, I think I saw her success and in, 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 in how she kind of set things up, and and you know, when I was kind of contemplating this business, you know, of of you know, not not uh, not, not having to be so you know, in a sense, traditional, and 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 being able to 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 add value where you want to add value, and uh, and to do that. So I, I think she's been a great inspiration for me. Awesome! Shout out to Mrs. Sadlow. What is one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? So I am a, I, I grew up on Long Island and I'm a, a, a very neurotic person. <laughs> I just have to, so, you know, I, I'm a big planner. I think it's kind of the engineer in me. And, and, and uh, you know, I think I almost, I'm almost trying to mitigate risks too much, I think, to a certain degree. So I think I would tell myself to embrace uncertainty. Change is happening all the time. and you know, you can't just wish it away. I think you have to always be thinking things will always change. How do I stay agile? And that's hard. It's really hard to, to, because people really resist change. But I think if you can embrace it and embrace uncertainty, 
I think there's a lot of opportunity that comes through that. I think there's a lot of self kind of perseverance and challenge that comes from that too. That's very rewarding. Awesome. Nice answer, man. <laughs> well, Ryan, I just want to thank you for jumping on the podcast and just giving a little bit of insights of your experience in the industry and just sharing some strategies and how startups can go about bringing their product and sharing their message with the world, putting the right pieces and processes together and what to look out for when growing a company, right? Because there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, a lot of struggles and being able to identify that and overcome those challenges is very important. So I just want to thank you for that. Is there anything you want to share? Where can people find you? Any websites you want to promote? Sure, sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for for having me, and and, and best of luck as as you're as you're launching uh, this venture. I think it's super exciting. So you can find me at www.accelerateheathtech.com. If you're interested ever in chatting, you know, add me on LinkedIn. Uh, send me a message. I'm always up for for chatting and and uh, trying to provide wisdom or even get wisdom. Uh, if I said something that somebody found particularly uh, controversial or <laughs> or whatnot, so uh, I, re- I really appreciate the opportunity, Rodney. No problem. That said. This concludes today's episode of Health Tech Hustle. Catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Health Tech Hustle with Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Tune in next week for another interview with an expert leader in digital health.